Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. What a powerful song. What a powerful time of worship. Thank you again for joining us. Thank you to all of you who are here for the live recording. Hey, I'd love to pray for you. We're going to dive into God's Word. Y'all ready for the Word of God today? Come on, put it in the chat. If you haven't shared the stream yet, share the stream. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we thank you so much, first and foremost, for who you are. God, we're thankful that you're faithful when we're not. Father, we're thankful for what you've done for us. God, if you never do another thing, you've already done enough by sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross in our place and for our sin, raising from the grave so that we can be forgiven and made right with you. God, we, we pray and thank you for what you will do. We're expecting. You are the God of exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine. So God, we pray bold prayers this year. We lift you up, to, lift them up to you. We trust you. We want more. We want a double anointing of your spirit. God, pour it out in this place today. Pour it out in every single living room, in every single car, in every single state and country watching. Father, I pray that you would meet people where they are, but God, show them your love, that you'll never leave them where they are. God, I pray that it wouldn't just be a message of behavior modification. People don't need a to-do list. People need you. And so God, I pray that we would decrease, that you would increase. People would see you. So God, eliminate the distractions. Help us worship you. Help us love you. And may you change us from the inside out. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody set? Amen. Amen. Hey, put amen in the chat. Tag somebody to watch this with you. Man, so excited for you to be here. I'm so pumped up. We are in week two. This is the second installment of a five-week series that we have entitled Love Songs. We're talking all about relationships. And if you missed last week, uh, last week we actually talked about attraction. And the reason we talked about attraction is because attraction is the on-ramp to relationships. And I know that might sound worldly, but the truth is about you and the truth is about me is that We're all attracted to something or someone, and we all want to be attractive. Now, the tricky part about that is oftentimes when we refer to attraction, we think that it's We think that it's about looks. We think about the physical appearance. But how many of you know that attraction is not in the eye of the beholder, but rather in the eye of the creator? That attraction isn't just skin deep, but it's it's soul deep. And so last week we took a look at what does it look like for us to not just find somebody who is attractive, but become who God has called us to be. What are the things, what are the qualities that are that are attractive through every season? What are the qualities that God not only wants you to find, but the qualities that he wants you to possess, that he wants you to develop? And so we took a look at the Song of Solomon, we opened it up in chapter one, and we took and we found four different qualities. If you missed them, you're gonna wanna write these down. And the first one was what you wanna develop, what God wants to develop in you, and what you want to look for if you're looking is godly character. Not just who people say you are, that's your reputation, but who you are when no one is looking. 
God wants to develop godly character that is a reflection of the image of Christ. The second thing we're going to look for is we're going to look for a growing trust. We want to be people. We want to become people. We want to find people who we can actually trust in relationships. The third thing we took a look at was high standards, that we don't wanna just set our standards as particularly in the area of relationship based upon culture, because that's already changing. We wanna set our standards based upon Christ and his word, because his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his standards are better than our standards, and his plan for your life is so much better than what you know. And so we wanna set our standards, and then finally, we want to be a consistent encouragement. We We wanna build people up with our words, we wanna build people up around us and our families, and we want to look for people who are not tearing us down, but rather building us up. And so that was last week. Next week, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I like to kind of give people a heads up. Next week, we're talking about that forbidden word in church, uh, that being sex. And so if you miss any week, you don't need to miss next week, okay? I promise you it's going to be an awesome one. Just going to warn you now, it's going to be, it's going to be great. But listen, um, you don't gotta have, it don't have to be awkward, okay? Like, I'm not going to be vulgar or anything like that. How many of you know sex is a gift by God and meant to be enjoyed? Come on, somebody, in the context of marriage, all right? So we're going to talk about sex next week. You're not going to want to miss it. But today, what I want to do is I want to talk about pursuit. I want to talk about pursuit. And the, this idea of pursuit really is... In culture, oftentimes when we think about pursuit, we think about physically pursuing someone. And what often happens is we neglect or negate or forget about the emotional and the spiritual component of pursuit. And so if you're single, what does it look like for you to pursue Christ in this season and also pursue a spouse in a godly way? Maybe... Maybe you're single and your status is not interested. You ain't got no interest in a romantic relationship. Or maybe for you, you know, just got out of a bad relationship, you broke up. Maybe for some of you, you're divorced. And right now, a romantic type relationship is not on your radar. And so then what do you do? Who is God calling you to become? How do we pursue Christ in every season? And if you're married, how do we pursue Not only Christ, but how do we pursue our spouse? How many of you know when you get married, you don't stop pursuing your spouse or you're in trouble? Right? Like, listen, anybody can make a promise, but it takes work to keep a promise. Anybody can get married, but it takes work to stay married. And so that's why I've titled this message today after a love song that so many of you know and love. Y'all want to know the love song? Let's see what it is. Here's the title. I swear. Yeah, come on. I swear. Come on, y'all can sing with it. Y'all can sing with it. I swear. All right, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's right. I swear. Now, listen, um, I don't know what season you're in, but as I said, it's easy to make a promise, but it's hard to keep one. And so then how do you and I actually keep the promise that we, many of us, have all made as it pertains to our relationship with God and other people? What does it look like for you and I to pursue a healthy, godly relationship in and out of every single season? And so here's what I want to do. I want to go to Song of Solomon chapter 2. 
We're going through this book, by the way. If you've never read this book, this book will make you blush. This book will make you feel uncomfortable. And there's two ways that you can actually read this book. The first one, as I mentioned last week, is an allegory. And you can read this book and you can view it through the lens of God's love for Israel or Christ's love for the church. The other way you can read it is at face value. You can take a look, and this is a romantic love story between a Shulamite woman and and King Solomon and and their pursuit and their love and their honor of one another. So that's how we are approaching it. And my prayer is that this would then also give you a picture of how Christ loves you. So last week we finished with Song of Solomon chapter two in verses one and two and three. This week what we're gonna do is we're gonna pick up in Song of Solomon chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Um, If you're at home, you can turn there and uh, open those up. Song of Solomon chapter two. It might be Song of Songs in your translation. But I'm gonna pick up in verse 11. If you're in the house and you're at the recording, if you're ready for the word of God, shout, I'm ready. I'm ready. Verse 11 says, see... Let us all say this out loud. The winter is past. The winter is past. The rains are over and gone. The snow is over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. She says, the winter is past. What is winter? Write this down. Winter is a season of preparation. Winter is a season of preparation. And for many of you, if you're in a dating relationship, you're single, every single one of us will experience a season of preparation because God actually cares about where you are and wants to prepare you for where he's called you to be. And so every, every, there's every season, God never wastes it, but winter is a season of preparation. And for many of you, you might find yourself right now in a winter season where you wish romantically, relationally, that you were in spring because you don't like where you're at. Like you, you want to be in that next season. And so what do you do when you find yourself in a winter season? First thing you need to know is that God is not wasting it. So don't get caught up looking towards spring that you neglect winter. And for some of you, it It may be relationally, and you're in winter, and you want to be in spring. You want to find that perfect pookie bear. You want to find that person that you just love, that you want to be with. And the truth is, God may have you in winter right now, because maybe he's healing some things in your heart from the last relationship so you don't carry the baggage into this one. So he may have you in winter, and you may want to be in spring, but maybe God is healing something in you, teaching you how to forgive, and you're just getting to the point where you can start trusting people again. Maybe it's spiritually, and winter is the season where the roots grow down deep so that your life can withstand the storm in spring. Maybe what God is wanting to do is he's wanting to renew something in your mind and in your spirit and a love and a desire and a pursuit for him. And he's doing it in the winter. Or maybe it's just practical. I mean, maybe for some of us, like we're in the winter season, God has us in the winter season right now because he's just trying to get you to learn how to actually pay your car note on time. He, he, listen, he's just, he's just trying to teach you how to actually take a shower and brush your teeth so that you don't stink. Come on, somebody. Right? Like, you, you practically, like, what does it look like for you to show up to your job on time? So he's got you in a, in a, winter, in a winter season. And I remember my winter season pretty fondly because 
When I think back to the season when I was single looking to mingle in college, I think about, I think about this moment where up until this point before I was a Christian, I didn't, I didn't know how to have an honoring relationship. I didn't know how to honor a girl or honor a woman in a way, and essentially every relationship I'd had up to that point was marked and built and founded upon sin. And so I found myself in this season where I'd just broken up with this girl and, and, and I was tempted, as many of us are, to kind of just jump in and look for the next person, but God kind of put something in my spirit to just pause. And I found myself in winter where I, the best thing I knew to do was to just take a break from dating altogether. Because I had fallen into the trap that many of you fall into where you focus so much on, on finding that you neglect on becoming. And so what does it look like for you to become the person that you're looking for is looking for? And so that was the things that were kind of going in my mind. And so I decided, you know what, I'm gonna take a break from dating and instead what I'm gonna do, and this might sound overly spiritually, but some of you need to do it. I said, you know what, instead of going out on Friday and Saturday night to all the parties and trying to find a girl and all that things at the sorority, all that stuff, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take Friday or Saturday night and I'm just gonna spend them in my dorm room and I'm gonna spend time with the Lord. And for the first time in my life, I really took the time to study the Bible. And I had a goal that I set and I said, I wanna read through the entire Bible. And after I read through the entire Bible, if I'm ready to then pursue a relationship, I will. And so I just began every Friday night, I would be in my dorm room and I would get my journal out and I would just begin to read and soak in God's word and journal and write things down. He was speaking to me and, and, and memorizing scripture. And I remember like putting on worship music for the first time outside of church. You know, I had to, I had to drop, you know, Jay-Z and, and Kanye over here and I had to pick up some Hillsong. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and for the first time, like God wasn't confined to a building for me but he met me right where I was at. And he did something in my spirit in the winter season that changed the way not only I lived, but the way I saw people and the way I saw women. And then as I began to kind of grow and mature and as time went on and I began to study God's word and I felt like maybe I'm kind of getting ready, maybe I'm, maybe I'm kind of ready to start pursuing a romantic relationship with a girl again, I started picking up marriage books and I started reading it, not because I wanted to get married right then, but because I, I just wanted to know what a godly marriage actually looked like because I'd never seen one. I don't know about you, but I come from a broken home, love my parents, but I didn't really have a model for what a godly marriage looked like. So I started studying and going, what does it look like? to be a man? What does it look like to be a husband? What, is it, what does it mean when we're called men to love our bride as Christ loved the church? And so I, I spent time in that winter season. And, and let me tell you why it was so difficult. And maybe for you right now, why it's so difficult, why the winter season is so difficult. Because oftentimes when you find yourself in the winter, you find yourself separated from everyone and you feel alone, and you feel like there's something missing, and so you're wanting companionship, and in the winter season, you find yourself separated. But here's what God taught me that I hope he's trying to teach you right now, that the winter season, what God will do is he will use your separation for your preparation. That God will use that season to prepare something in you. And sometimes what God wants to do is he wants to remove you and pull you away from people so that you can focus on your purpose. Like he wants to pull you away and he will use preparation for your sanctification. 
That's just a fancy word that means the, it's the process of becoming like Christ. The verb form of sanctification means to be set apart for a specific purpose. And so maybe what God is wanting to do in you right now is he is separating you. He is pulling you away from people, from circumstances, from things in your life that are keeping you from becoming who he's called you to be. That he doesn't waste a season. I mean, you can't get to spring without going through winter. And so what is, what is stored in winter gets produced in spring. And what I see so many times is that people step into the spring season and they get into the same trouble, they do the same things, they make the same mistakes because rather than embracing the winter, they always look forward to the spring. And so I just wanna encourage you, listen, if you're dating right now or maybe you're single or maybe you're, you're not even looking for a relationship, do not neglect the winter season looking towards the next one. God is, is, is it doing something in you right now. And I'm not saying he's preparing you for a spouse, but he is preparing you for a purpose. He's doing something in you. And then here's what's cool. So maybe you, like me, will go through that season of preparation and then you'll find yourself, um, most likely if you start to look again, you, you may find somebody that you wanna start to date. And so here's the second thing you'll experience. You'll probably experience a season of infatuation. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You're just infatuated with somebody. You're excited. And this is exactly what's happening really when you study in, in Song of Solomon chapter two, verses eight through 10. There's an infatuation season. Here's what she says. She says, listen. I'm gonna try to talk like a woman here. Um, <laughs> My beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. You can see this, right? Like, he, here he is, he's just happy, he's ready to go on a date, just bounding over the hills with a smile on his face. She says, my beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Jessica used to call me a young stag, come on. <laughs> now she calls me a middle-aged stag, all right. She says, look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, Peering through the Latisse. What's he doing? He's playing peekaboo. <laughs> Not the creepy peekaboo, but like he's flirting with her and she likes it. There's a season that you'll experience of infatuation where you just like love everything about them. They're like the perfect person. They can't do anything wrong. You're just, you're so in love, as Elf would say. <laughs> you're just you're bounding over the hills. I remember that season. Now, if you know me, you know my wife. I'm still infatuated with this woman. I love her to death. She's the beautiful thing, most beautiful thing ever to walk the planet, in my opinion. Hello. But I'm just going to tell you, there was a season where, like, it was at a different level, okay? <laughs> and uh, she had friends on me through high school, so when she gave me a chance post-college, your boy wasn't going to miss it. And I'll never forget when I saw her for the first time. I mean, I was like in love from, in love from the beginning. Okay, I don't recommend that, by the way. But I was just infatuated with this girl so much so. She had just graduated college. She was moving back to Mount Juliet. And I had one year left at the University of Memphis. And so what I decided to do, love will make you do some crazy things, won't it? What I decided to do is I, I, I moved my whole schedule. I did 18 hours of college in three days. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, got out of class at 3 p.m., drove all the way back to Nashville, bounding over the hills of I-40 so I could take my girl on a date. I mean, come on now. I mean, I'm talking for a year. Every, she'll, she'll test every weekend, did I not? 
I mean, I did not miss a weekend. Every weekend, and so I would take her out, and, and, and I, would, I would be in Mountain Juliet, okay? I'd be on a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, wake up on Monday morning at 3 a.m. to get back to Memphis to make my 8 a.m. class. I mean, just infatuate. I will do anything to make sure I do not lose that woman. I mean, anything. Like, I got a job. I'll never forget. I quit my job in Memphis. I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? Like, I already knew I was going to marry her. So I'm like, how do I save money for a ring and all that stuff? And so, like, I got a job working for ADT security system, uh, knocking on doors, door-to-door sales. Anybody done some door-to-door sales? And I'll never forget. I mean, I would get in town, and she had to work on Friday. I would spend all day in different counties all around Middle Tennessee just knocking on doors, hoping to get one sale so I made enough money to actually, like, support my, my gas going back and forth to my Honda. And, uh, and, and I just, man, I almost died for her. I mean, I had guns pulled on me. I'm not going to lie to you. I remember this one time. No joke. Can I tell you this story? Um, one time. I'll never forget, I was, walking, I was walking down the road and this guy had been watching me go door from door and he had, I had my little ADT sign, you know, and he was on his front porch. He said, hey, hey, listen, stop right there. Don't even step in my driveway. And I'm like, I'm pretty far back from him. I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, I already got a security system. I don't need yours. I was like, well, what's your security system? He said, you're looking at it, you know, real country. He had his pit bull sitting next to him. And I said, sir, that pit bull can't protect you. He said, oh, yes, he can. Step on my property. You'll find out. I said, okay, how about this? No lie now. I said, how about this? I'm going to step on your property, and if I can get around your pit bull without it biting me, and I can get to you, you got to buy a security system. He said, deal. Let him off the leash. The dog come running at me. I just sat down like this with my hands out. The dog knocked me over and licked my face. (laughs) And guess what happened? I went, and I sold that man the most expensive system we had. Hello. I made $500 commission, and that's how I put a down payment on her ring. Come on, somebody. No lie to you. I mean, I'm telling you, I would do, and when you're infatuated, you'll do anything. You will go crazy. You'll, you'll do whatever it takes. I mean, I would like come home on winter break, and I would literally, I would deer hunt for food, okay? And I would kill four or five deer. Sorry if that offends you. I'm a country boy. Don't let the skinny jeans fool you. I will knock down a deer, all right? And, and I, would, I would pack deer up in coolers in my Honda Civic on ice, and I would eat deer. And if I ran out of deer, I would fish just to save money from eating out so I could take my girl on a date when I got back. Some of y'all need to learn some sacrifice. Come on, somebody. But what happens, there's in the season of infatuation, and that's where they're, they're dating. They find themselves, he's infatuated, and he's coming over the hills, and he loves her, and he's excited, and he's ready to like take her out on a date, and you know, most people believe a lot of times that this season of infatuation is like the best it'll ever get, you know, like you're just so in love, and they're so perfect, and I'm just here to tell you, it, it, it can get so much better than a season of infatuation, so much better. And, and what happens a lot of times is people get infatuated with one another and they just think they're perfect. And they're like, oh my gosh, we never fight. We're so in love until you got your first fight. And then you're wondering like, well, why are they that way? I don't know if I wanna be with them anymore, right? And like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know about you, but like I did some research on the season of infatuation and researchers say that infatuation can last anywhere from one day, come on, to six months, all right? Like you never know how long that infatuation period will last. And, and so for so many people, they, they get so caught up with somebody else and they fall into this like very lustful, almost infatuation with somebody else. And then they wonder what in the world happened. And then so here's, 
Here's what, here's what Solomon said. He said, my beloved spoke, here's what she says. My beloved spoke and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me, right? So he's taking her on a date. That's what's happened. That's what happens. And, um, and so we have these seasons like this. And I'm just gonna tell you right now, like, there's nothing wrong with that season of infatuation. But you just need to know it can get better than that. And if you will make a decision, a choice, by the way, love is a choice, not a feeling for those of you who are liking all the romantic stuff. Um, love is a choice. And so when you choose that you're actually gonna love somebody and serve somebody and honor somebody and respect somebody, you're gonna go through some hard things, through some good things. You're gonna thank God for some things. You're gonna thank God and just hold on and hopefully you make it through. But what will happen if you will love and pursue someone with honor? You will come to the point years later, five, 10, 15 years later, where your relationship is not based on a feeling. Your relationship has a firm foundation to stand on. And so let me, just, let me just give you a couple things real quick, especially if you're single, okay? Um, I'm gonna give you three things if you find yourself in a season of infatuation. Write them down. These are important. I wish somebody would have told me. Jesus, I wish somebody would have told me. Three things I want you to limit. Your time, your talk, and your touch. Limit your time, limit your talk, and limit your touch. Limit your time. Listen, like do not spend every waking minute with the person you're infatuated with. Let me, let me get even more real. Do not abandon and neglect your friends so that you can hang out with somebody. Like, do not go quit your job so that you can just spend every moment with somebody, okay? Like, you need to invite people into your world. You need to get into their world. And I'm just gonna tell you, the success of your relationship will be built around the people in your life that hold you accountable and build you up. So listen, if you just isolate yourself in infatuation and get so tunnel vision, what will happen when that relationship doesn't work out? Your friends will be gone. You know, and I know because I did it. Limit your time. Don't neglect what is important for what is urgent in your mind. Limit your talk. Listen, two days in, don't be naming kids together, okay? <laughs> like, don't be talking about marriage. Listen, let me tell you why. Because what you're doing is you are putting pressure that, the, that you do not have a foundation to sustain. Like you're, you're talking about things that your relationship cannot hold on to yet. And you create so much pressure to then meet up to a standard, but you lack a foundation. And so what you wanna pursue in this time is you actually wanna be friends. And like you want to allow time to happen and for you and them to build a friendship and the greater the friendship, the deeper the foundation. Anybody married for any period of time that has a healthy marriage will tell you, you better be friends with them because you ain't always going to feel like it. We're going to talk more about week three next week. So limit your time, your talk, limit your touch. Do I need to go here? Limit your touch. Limit your touch. Like I know that there's like these desires that you, you have and that the things you want, but like I'm just telling you, limit, limit your touch. Like the moment you start squeezing or rubbing or patting or pulling or whatever, I'm just gonna tell you there's gonna be some lustful thoughts come up into your mind and it's gonna be hard to pursue and be honorable to the other person. So if you find yourself single, looking to date, or just, you don't even care right now, but if you find yourself in this season, you'll go through a season of preparation and infatuation. Now, let me address everybody else because everybody else is like, well, I'm not there right now. Who really cares? Well, let me give you a couple of things that you wanna pursue in every season. 
whether you're single, dating, not looking, divorced, married, whatever it is, I'm gonna give you a couple things that the scriptures teach us that you wanna pursue in every season, and here's the first one. Have integrity. Amen. Have integrity. Last week, we talked about developing a godly character. Right, that is who you are when no one is looking. What's integrity? That you do what you say you're gonna do. Don't claim to be a Christian but not live like one. Don't, be, don't, don't live a double life. Be where you say you're gonna be. Do what you say you're gonna do. Don't just talk the talk, walk the walk, amen? That's all I'm gonna spend time on that one for. Here's the second one. Um, you wanna pursue intimacy. Intimacy with the Lord. If you're in a marriage, intimacy with your spouse. Now, if you're dating, you, you need to be careful about this one. I'm not just talking about intimacy as in sex. I'm talking about what intimacy really means because some people think that intimacy and romance are the same thing. Intimacy is not romance. Romance might be the byproduct of intimacy, but intimacy, write this down, is simply transparency. Intimacy. Into me you see. Intimacy, it's this idea of not being fake. It's this idea of removing the veil. It's this idea of being vulnerable and being transparent with your life, that you're actually just being open and honest about who you really are. And what you're gonna see is you're gonna see Solomon pull this out of this woman as she's hesitant, right, rightfully so, hesitant to, to open up and be vulnerable. And so watch what, watch what he says. He says, my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside. Watch how he draws her out. Show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. What is he saying? He's like, I want to see who you really are. I want to hear your dream. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear what's going on inside of your heart. And see, never, never confuse being by someone with being close to someone. Like for so many of us, especially the ones of us that are married, you can live in the same house with somebody for 30 years but not know them. You can have sex three times a week and still not be intimate. And, and so don't confuse, oh, well, we're close by with we're close to. And let me tell you what happens. You know, you, know how, you know what happens? When you're in a dating relationship, let me tell you why you feel so close and you're so intimate, because you communicate. Remember that phase where like all you do is talk, 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 talk all night long. You know, I mean, you remember those days where you're like on the phone till 2 a.m., you're like, you hang up. No, you hang up, you hang up. No, you hang up. Anybody been there? And then what happens when you get married? The women are like, well, he used to talk to me all the time, but now he stopped talking. What do I do? See, what happens is the reason why so many of us don't feel intimate is because we don't communicate. And communication is the key to intimacy. That we actually have a conversation. Not just about the weather. Not just about work. But about life. You, you know, I think about Jessica and I's relationship and us developing this like intimate relationship that, that, that we both desire and that we want for our life. And I wanna share with you a little bit just about how this is like not, this, this was a negative thing and now how maybe it's turned a little bit into a positive, but... Um, early on, you know, when I first began, you know, got into ministry and, and started serving as a student pastor and then now a lead pastor, 
Um, one of the things that like I and most men, um, the way we talk is like we just like headlines, like we like facts when women like 72,000 details, come on. And so she would ask me things, you know, and kind of my job, like I, it's pretty simple really, like I get up, I spend time with the word, I come to the church, I meet with people, I prepare a message and kind of do the same thing week in and week out. It's kind of all like God-ish, ministry-ish, it's kind of, that's, that's my role, that's my job, that's what God called me to do. And so I would come home and Jessica would be like, hey, how's your day? It was good. What'd you do? Nothing. Nothing? No. Make any decisions today that I need to know about? Nah. And she's like, what, 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 what's happening? She's not gonna feel close to me because I'm not actually letting her in. And then what'll happen oftentimes is, is, she, is, is I'll say, well, she'll go, what did you do today? And I'm like, well, I decided that we're gonna cancel church on Sunday and we're gonna come online and uh, we're gonna do a, a live recording in service. And she's like, whoa, wait a second. Whoa, how, did you wanna talk to me about that first? And, and what I've learned is the way I need to communicate to my wife is I actually need to go, hey, babe, listen, uh, there's some things I'm thinking through, I'm working through. Hey, here, here's what they are. Um, I'm just gonna take a couple days. I'm gonna talk to some pastors, friends of mine. I'm gonna read the word, try to get some clarity in that. And then what happens, I'll come back to her and go, hey, here's kind of what I'm, I'm feeling. Do you, like, do you think that's a good idea? Because I just found out that the Holy Spirit oftentimes sounds like my wife. And she'll go, yeah, I think that's great. And what has happened is now there is an intimate connection as it pertains to my life. And the reverse is true as well. Like every week, like when I preach a message, um, there's so many times where like I preach a message and it kind of goes out there and I come off of stage and I go home and then the next day I go to work and I prepare to write another one. And I don't really hear feedback from people. That's just the way it kind of is. It's just I preach in and preach out every single week. And, and, and so there's times where Jessica be like, hey, that was a good sermon. And I'm like, cool, like what about it was good? You know what I'm saying? Like, not because I like need validation, but like I would like to know some feedback because again, it just kind of like, I say things and I, I hope that they like don't go in one ear and out the other. I hope that they actually make their way into your heart. And so the best way to compliment a pastor, by the way, is actually applying the word of God that he preached, okay? And so I, I'll go, well, what about the sermon did you like? And she'll begin to tell me, hey, that point you said about having integrity, I think that's really good. I think that I could tell people we're leaning in. And what's happening, there's, there's, a, there's a, a trust and an intimate connection that's happening between us. You gotta communicate. And, and listen, I, listen, man, I'm just gonna be honest with you. You ain't always gonna get it right, okay? Like there will be some times where you say something on Monday and she thinks it's cute and you say the same thing on Tuesday and she thinks you're a jerk, okay? Like there will be some days you'll say 50% of the time, you don't know what you're gonna get, all right? Am I, am I being honest, ladies? And, and there'll be sometimes like your wife or your, you know, hopefully your wife is getting ready for work, getting out the shower, you're like, whoa, I want some of that. And they're like, pervert. And then you say it again and they're like, okay, let's go. And you're like, what happened? Men, let me just give you some advice. Always say it, it's worth it. Just always say it. Always say it. Am I preaching? Intimacy, into me. You see, seasons of preparation, seasons of infatuation. <laughs> In all seasons, have integrity, pursue intimacy. And then let me give you the final one. Number three, protect your purity. Now we're gonna talk about this and let me just again say, I never stand up here acting like I got it all together. A lot of what I preach really comes from a lot of mistakes that I've learned. And um, I want you to watch this, protect your purity. Verse 15, before I read it, this is Solomon talking. He says this, 
Now, like, I can't prove this, but here's just what I think. I think that the man should take the spiritual lead in setting the standard. Now, you can disagree with me. You can be like, oh, well, why do you think? Listen, you, you can say whatever you want. I just, for me, believe me, men, I'm gonna call you to something. You don't want your spouse to come to you and go, hey, I think we need to set the standard a little higher because you failed to. So as a leader, like, I'm just gonna go, hey, no, I'm gonna set the standard for purity. We're gonna have these boundaries in our marriage. I'm not going here alone. I'm not meeting with that girl by myself. I'm not letting people slide in my DMs. If you're single, you're going, hey, I got some boundaries, and I'm gonna set them for our relationship, men. Verse 15, here's what he says. I love it. I'm gonna hang out here for a minute. Catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in bloom. He says, catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that ruin our vineyard. Remember last week, the vineyard is talking about your body. Remember she says, don't look at me because I'm dark. I neglected my own vineyard. The vineyard is the body. So what he's talking about here is protecting the body to be, to be pure, He's saying, catch for us the little foxes that like to come in and ruin, take, destroy what God has called you to protect. And see, a fox is interesting. In fact, I actually saw one today. That's, that's true. I was like, oh my gosh, a fox. I'm talking about you later. You want to come in my truck? Right? Like, <laughs> um, I don't want to bring him in here though. So um, what's interesting about foxes is they're cunning and they're sly, watch this, and they use the shadow of the night to do work in the dark. And what foxes will do is that they will find themselves and they will come into the vineyard, and here's what's interesting, they will find the lowest hanging fruit and they'll eat it. And if they can't reach the fruit, they'll dig a hole and they'll start trying to destroy the root to kill the fruit. Mm. Here's what her God told me to tell you. Find the fox. Find the foxes in your life. Oh, because the fox has a name. And if you're not careful, if you don't identify the fox, if you don't take some time to actually find the fox, see, the fox has a name, and the fox has a name called pornography. The fox has a name called bitterness. The fox has a name called jealousy. The fox has a name called pride, called anger, called malice. The fox is in your DMs. The fox is at your work. The fox is on Facebook. The fox is in your text message. The fox is in your email. You better find the fox before the fox finds the fruit. See, what happens in our lives, we talk about relationships, we, we start to think that we are a failure. But the truth is about every single one of you in the room is you have fruit. There's some fruit that God is producing in your life. And, and let, me, let me help this. There's some, there's some fruit. Mm, come on, somebody. The good grape. You all have fruit. And for you, your fruit may be your purity when everyone else around you is impure. For you, your fruit may be your character. For you, your fruit may be communication with you and your spouse, and it's really healthy. Fruit for you may be the trust that has been built between you and your spouse. Fruit for you is joy in a season when it makes no sense. 
Fruit for you is love. Fruit for you is peace. Fruit for you is faithfulness and gentleness and kindness and goodness and self-control. And I'm just gonna tell you, you better find the fox before the fox finds your fruit. And you may go, well, how do I find the fox? Well, the fox is always near the fruit. And so if you'll just take the time to focus on the areas that God is actually growing you in, oh, you'll find the fox trying to steal it. See, for some of you, the, the, the fruit, the fruit are the habits you're trying to establish. The fruit is that you're actually wanting to spend time with God. The fruit is you're actually trying to pray. The fruit is Maybe that you're in the room for a live recording right now. Maybe the fruit is the fact that instead of getting up and going to brunch, you're watching online. And oftentimes what happens is the fruit can be right next to you. Maybe the fruit is your spouse. Maybe the fruit is your kids. Maybe the fruit is in the place that you love the most. Maybe the fruit is sitting right next to you in church. But let me tell you what's near my fruit. A little fox. <laughs> and if you're not careful, if you're not careful, this little fox will steal this fruit. I'm not preaching to anybody. What's the foxes in your life? Find the fox. Find the fruit. And I'm gonna tell you what happens. In the areas that you don't keep up is the areas the foxes come in. The areas in your life that you skipped and you cut corners and you cheated and you did some things that no one else knows about, oh, the fox is gonna find that hole. And so you better just pay attention and know where God is actually moving in your life because there's a fox around it trying to steal that from you. And so what do you do when you find the fruit and you find the fox you get rid of it. You get rid of it. Turn to your neighbor and say, get rid of it. Put it in the chat, get rid of it. Well, how do I get rid of it? How do I remove the fox? You do whatever you gotta do short of sin to get rid of that fox. So if the fox is a person, do not shoot them. Hear me clearly. But you better remove them from your life. If the fox is pornography, you better get some accountability. If the fox is in your DMs, you may want to delete your Instagram. If the fox is sending you emails, it may be time you give your spouse a login to your email so they can see what's happening. Uh-oh. I just wonder how many marriages, how many businesses, how many relationships would not be destroyed if we would stop focusing on all the big offenses and we started focusing on the little foxes that tear down the entire vineyard. Find the fox, find the fruit. And when you catch the fox, you gotta get rid of it. You gotta get rid of it. That's why I love what Ephesians 4 says when Paul says this. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Rather, he says, be kind and, and passionate, compassionate to one another. Doing what? Forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. So if your, if your foxes are internal, if your foxes are malice, if your foxes are bitterness, if your foxes is unforgiveness, you need to have a reality check and love people the way Christ loved you. To, to, 
to forgive as you've been forgiven. If you're in the room, turn to your neighbor, say, find the fox. Turn to the one you don't like as much and say, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Type, get rid of it. Get rid of it. And let me just show you the result. Remember, have integrity, pursue intimacy, protect purity. And I just want you to see the result. Here's what he says. My beloved is mine. This is her. And I am his. He browses among the lilies. Now, I can say a lot of things about that verse right there. I'm going to refrain, come back next week. He browses, I'm going to read it again. He browses among the lilies. All right, watch this. Until the day breaks and the shadows turn. You know what she's saying? All night long. He browses among the lilies all night long, my beloved, and be like a gazelle, like a young stag on the rugged hills, and be blessed by the word of God. Come on. Protect your purity. Have integrity. Pursue intimacy. Listen, and if you're single and you're in that infatuation phase, if you're trying to protect your purity, let me just give you, let me just give you four pieces of advice before I end. I got to get these out because I wish somebody would have told them to me. Number one, I've said this already, set your standards up front. Do not wait until you are in the back of the car with somebody to be like, oh, wait, 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 I'm not having sex until I'm married. No, 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 too late. Set your standards up front. You can build your life with someone on two things. You can either sin together or you can honor God together. It's your choice. If you want what everybody else has, do what everybody else does. If you want what few people have, do what few do and build your life and your relationships on the foundation of God. Set your standards up front. Here's what I also recommend. Um, keep four feet on the floor. You wanna watch Netflix? That's cool. Keep four feet on the floor because I'm gonna tell you what happens. Come on. I'm, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. The moment, man, she decides to put her legs in your lap and you realize she ain't got no hair on them legs, something else is gonna happen and you're gonna be getting nervous. And I speak from failure here, okay? I'm just gonna be honest with you. Like, I'm not proud of that by any means, but listen, I love the Lord. I try to be a godly man. I'm a pastor, but there's only so long my hands can stay like this. Keep four feet on the floor. Are you tracking with me? I got some singles in the house. I know I got some singles online. Let me give you the third one. Uh, keep everything buttoned, zipped, latched, twisted, and tied. It's so much easier to protect your purity with your clothes on. I promise you. Let me give you number four. <laughs> keep your tongue in your own mouth as long as you can. I'm not telling you it's wrong to kiss. I'm just saying the moment you start switching saliva, I'm just going to tell you uh, it's hard to stay pure after that moment. I'm just going to tell you. Protect your purity. Have integrity. Be who God has called you to be. Do what God has called you to do in every season. Not just in winter, but in spring. Not just while you're dating, while you're married. Not just when you're single looking to mingle, when you're trying to find Pookie Bear. I don't know why I keep saying that. <laughs> or when you don't want Pookie Bear. Find the fox and get rid of it. That's the word for you today. And here's what God does not want, nor does he need. Though it's a beautiful love song, 
God does not need you to swear to him more that you'll never do it again. He doesn't need from you and I swear. He just wants from you and I surrender. Can I teach you a new love song? Not I swear, but I surrender. Kyle, you know that one, don't you? Yeah. Come on, you know that love song? Yeah, sing it with me. God wants from you. He doesn't need an I swear, but he wants an I surrender. Where you say, God, I cannot get to you. So thank you for coming down to me. I cannot do enough good to make you love me. Thank you for not making me have to. God, I want to pursue you because you first pursued me. God, I want to love you because you first loved me. So I make that decision not based upon my own merit or my own effort. I make that decision to surrender my life to Christ because Christ gave his life for me. Come on, if you're in the room, stand to your feet. We're gonna worship. I pray right now, God, I pray that everybody under the sound of my voice would trust you with their life that they would build a foundation of pursuit on your word, that they would pursue you, that they would pursue intimacy, they would pursue their character and their integrity, that you would give them the strength to protect purity. God, right now I pray for everyone who has never surrendered their life to Christ, who had to make promise after promise after promise. Listen to me, you're gonna break it, but the good news is God is faithful. You can stand on his promise that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. That you can stand on the promise that his plan for you is greater than your plan for yourself. He won't harm you. That if you will put your faith and trust in him, he will make your path straight. He will provide. He will heal. He will forgive. He will love. And so now, today, we're not standing on, I swear, but, God, but we are standing on the promise of God to us. We build our life on a foundation that cannot be shaken. So if that's you right now, I wanna pray this prayer. You can pray this out loud wherever you're watching from. Type it in the chat. Let us know you're making this decision. I just believe by faith right now there's people surrendering their life to Jesus all around the world, even right here in this room. And God, I just pray right now that people would declare their love for you. If you're in the room, if you're in the chat, I want you to say this with me as a sign of faith to let people know they're not alone. Say, God, I believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose from the grave so that I can be forgiven and set free. Today, I surrender. I give you my life, Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen, amen. Come on. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church. Have a blessed day.